You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Melissa Watson. I'm Spellcheck. And I'm Gray. And on this week's episode, we are referencing it as the Mothball Brain Dump. We will come to you once or twice a month mm-hmm. with the things that are spinning around in our neurodivergent brains related to the podcast, the estate sale, our personal lives, mm-hmm. and all those other things. Take it as your easy walk in the park podcast episode. You can pay attention or you don't have to. We Whatever can just works. be background noise. Yeah. We're not offended. We're gonna, gonna, this is the Body Double Mothball Prophecies episode. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I love that. I'm going to teach you about vultures. Oh, yeah. Spellcheck did learn a... Uh... Dude, I learned the coolest fucking thing about... Wait, hold on. my intro. <laughs> Says you two. Up the brakes. Back it up. <laughs> We're bringing this episode to all of you as a moment of for all of us to sit down, get together, and chit chat, share the facts we've learned, share the different deep dives we've gone on recently. Because uh, we end up sharing them with each other. We thought it'd be useful to share it with all of you. Mm-hmm. And this week's spell track, one of the first things out of her mouth to us as we're sitting down to record was an interesting fact about the bird or something. It's no, a- before, let me preface this. Hold on. Yeah. About half an hour ago, we were all sitting around the podcast room and spell check looks at me, <laughs> gasps. And she said, oh my God, I learned about vultures yesterday. Mm-hmm. Now listen. <laughs> It's not just any vulture, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. This is a really cool, interesting type of vulture that's not, you don't find it in the United States. It's- Listen, okay, so this vulture, it's it's the bearded vulture. These are really, really cool birds. They, they're, okay, they're one of the only vultures that have feathers all the way up to their, to their heads. They're Ooh. not bald. Oh. They have feather faces. <sighs> I'm so excited. They have feather faces. Um, They're huge. They're like three or four feet tall, just hanging the fuck out. But their wingspans can be up to over nine feet. Whoa. And they have a really unique wing shape that's very narrow, uh, the wing itself. So they're really easy to spot when they're flying because the silhouette that they create is almost completely unique. Like you can't mistake them for another vulture. Um, I can. No. (laughs) Every ornithologist on the planet will, will... Fight me? Fight you. Yeah. Thank God. With their talons. Because <laughs> when you study birds, you become you get a, a... You get talons? You become a tiny dinosaur. So what's so special about this beardy vulture? Okay. Are you guys ready to have your fucking minds blown? Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. So their diet consists of almost entirely just bones. Oh. Bones. Bones. Just Fucking bones. Whole bones. They swallow them. Their bellies are like... And then they get all the fucking nutrients. Bones actually have tons of nutrients in them. You can actually survive just on bones if you can get them to digest. Um, So they can eat not only fresh bones out of a fresh kill, but they can also eat old bones because as bones dehydrate in the sun and whatnot, their uh, nutrients, they become protected. So they don't don't denutrialize. So could... If I'm lost in the wilderness... Can also, I? the Mothball Prophecies does not endorse the eating of bones outside of the animal kingdom. Just saying. Um, Can I grind up the bones that I find and consume the bone meal? Um, 
And well, can I subsist upon You'd probably be better off meal? with like bone broth or marrow. <laughs> so because you're a human, uh-huh. um, and vultures have different dietary needs mm-hmm. than humans, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I don't know, but I am going to stay up until three in the morning to find out. Perfect. Uh, mm. But the even better part of this fucking bird, these these beardy vultures, the pH of their stomach acid is one. Very acidic. It's one. Wow. It is acid. It is legit <laughs> acid. A bone will completely 100% dissolve in their bellies in less than 24 hours. So they can just swallow whole vertebra. Can they throw up? Well, yeah, it's a vulture. If a, if he threw up on me, would I dissolve? Probably. It would burn the fuck out of your skin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Hell yeah. Um, because I can't help but look things up while you're telling me about this. Mm-hmm. I found 10, 11 facts about them. Oh, God, please. You yes. Know? Yes. Um, it's, Can you keep them as pets? No, honey. No. So their name that I'm not going to say in German means lamb vulture. Ooh. Because the vulture has a nasty reputation for carrying away lambs, calves, and even children. Oh, shit. They're oh, extinct. Shit. Uh, closer to Europe, they're extinct now. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Um, it eats mostly bones, like we bones. spoke about. Um, it could, their bones can be digested in under 24 hours yeah. in their bellies. Um, the reason they have their orange coloring is because they rub soil onto their body to look more intimidating. Chill. They're smart. And the soil has a high iron content, which is why it's orange and red. Yeah. Ooh, they're um, cool and the looking. bright orange color is a status symbol within their group. The hierarchy. Of- and they're monogamous. They oh. love. Vultures yeah. love. Isn't that? They can live to be uh, 45 mm-hmm. years old. Same. Um, they're obviously on the endangered species list, so Melissa, you can't own it as a pet. Their face, but is according so to the former president of British Ornithologist Union, they do make mostly great pets. Yeah, they're nice. Oh. That's the other thing. They're yeah. nice. Yeah. So I'm looking at a picture, and he's got like he's got the orange feathers, the very spiky on the back of his head, and then his face is mostly white with a very hooked, you know, vulture beak, but then his eyes are like piercing white with black pupils, but then the surroundings, like the flaps, skin flaps, they're mm-hmm. bright red. Mm-hmm. And then he's got these black feathers that come straight off of his eyes down. It's like, like a little- Eyelashes? Yeah. Oh, they're so they're cute. They're beautiful. They're like, that. I got, those are those are scary looking birds. I mm-hmm. love them. There was, at the end of that article, it was somebody talking about hiking through the Greek mountains mm-hmm. and being followed by these birds. And that's how they knew that they were close to dying. Oh, yeah. shit. Because the birds were following them, the vultures. Aren't there certain vultures, like, that in some, like, Asian, East Asian countries, like, the vultures clean the people that go up to, like, the mountains to die? Like, they... Oh, sky burials. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. It's a specific kind of vulture that lives up in that area, mm-hmm. and it eats the people. And it is, as far as I'm aware, uh, a religious type of death. Uh, yes. You know, I I want to be cremated, but like second, if they can't find a furnace, <laughs> guys, get us the vulture. Give me, give me some vultures to eat me. This is a good start to the brain dump yeah. episode. Yeah. I watched a movie last night. You guys want to hear about it? Okay. What did you watch? Uh-huh. I watched Don't Worry Darling. What is Oh, that? with Harry Steele. With Harry Styles. Oh, it's the thing. And Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde. And it was great. One of my friends a few months ago said she went to see it and was like, don't, it's not worth it. That's why I had heard about it, that it was not worth it. And uh, maybe I was just exhausted. I watched it at like 2 a.m. But the uh, styling, the set styling was Mm -hmm. beautiful. It was, 
the, all the costumes were gorgeous. And then like the twist at the end, I thought was very understandable. Oh, and like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there is a twist. But I think that that's, everybody knows there's a twist in that movie. Yeah. I wanted to watch it because of the set styling. Yeah. And like the styling is beautiful. And everybody said that Harry Styles acting was terrible. And like, it was, it wasn't Oscar worthy, but mm-hmm. it was believable. So I don't know anything about this movie except how, when you guys explained the Harry Styles spitting controversy thing. Too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, At the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. So there was a whole background, like behind the scenes controversy between Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde. And everybody, everybody except Spellcheck knew what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was I, that was my particular brain dump where I cued everybody in because it was all over TikTok. Yeah. So basically, the movie follows Harry Styles and Florence Pugh, and they are married and in love. And they live in this idyllic 1950s uh, society where all the men work for the same company. And there's like, it's like a dark secret. Is it supposed to be like a dystopian or is it? Mildly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of reminiscent of Stepford Wives. Oh, okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And it was great. But the styling, like all of the the little Easter eggs in the back, the record console was, Mm -hmm. oh, my God. Every time they they walked by, it was like (gasps) Mm -hmm. just super 50s, mid-century style gorgeousness. I saw. Oh, and Dita Von Teese was in it. Oh, I didn't know that. Holy shit. What? Yeah. She did a striptease in a fucking martini glass Mm -hmm. in it. Good. Good golly. Her signature. God Lord. Yeah. Yeah, her patented martini glass. There was a TikTok I saw. There's this prop guy I follow that makes a lot of props for films. And he described the making of the glass that shatters. I don't know anything about it other than a glass that shatters. Uh-huh. He So there, he described like the making of them, which I always find like when I watch movies or TV or anything, I'm watching the background constantly mm-hmm. to like see the period specific pieces. Those are Waterford crystal glasses. Uh-huh. And they sourced them to be accurate to the time period. And then they had to make them to be used on film and then for that scene uh, that I have no reference to because I haven't seen it either. But they talked about how they poured it in acrylic resin to make one and then they made one out of breakable glass and they show all three of them together. And then he bought them uh, a set for each of the actors. Cool. To have the Waterford Crystal. I love sets like that that are um, period accurate. Mm -hmm. Like... um, not to change the no. movie or anything, but um, the show Lovecraft Country. I still have not watched it. The set is 100% period accurate. The sets, the costume is Isn't it directed amazing. by um, Jordan Peele? I wouldn't be surprised if it was because it is a black-led horror I TV think it show. Is. I uh, And it's amazing. Um, I happen to have the whole of human knowledge within the this palm of true. my hand. Oh. Uh-huh. I was recently, I spoke about it a little bit in the previous episode about the show The Nevers that I'm obsessed yeah. with. Yeah. And I was watching it and it's set in like 1891 or something, like the last mm-hmm. of the, the 1800s. And I was looking at the set design is incredible and the costuming is incredible. And there's these there's these crystal decanters and like cups that are on the table. And so I took a, like, took a picture of them and Googled them and they are accurate to the year. Oh, I love that. And wow. I that was very exciting Can to I me. Can I just say... Samantha, mm-hmm. that if this was not your job and you did not live in Idaho, that that set design oh. would be your calling. I would love that. I could see you doing that. I love it. I would love the research behind set design mm-hmm. and like sourcing things. Like mm-hmm. we've had a couple people on the podcast that have had things from like their eBay stores purchased for movies and film. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Mm hmm. Which is, yeah, that was, I don't have any super specific. Like things I've been, I've been doing a lot of present shopping recently and finding things like on eBay 
for my friends mm-hmm. and things like that. But my new obsession of something I want to purchase is um, old school like match holders with a striker built Ooh, in. Love mm-hmm. those. I have one uh, in my basement. You can have. Oh hell yeah! Came with my house. They're so cool. Well, I think it's still there. Maybe there's one that I have my eye on, but they're always very expensive, and they're antique French, like kind of plaster ceramic, and they're a devil head, and the strikers on the back, so it's like the grooves in the ceramic where you strike the match with. Love cool. Yeah, it looks kind of uncanny valley ish. I love any devil-related thing from, like, before a certain time period because, you know, it was just so much more controversial back mm-hmm. then. Oh, and I guess my other thing is looking up Swedish Christmas traditions and things like that. That's my other deep dive. That's all I'm doing. I'm going to make a potato bologna for Christmas this year, potato sausage, which is a Christmas tradition from the region of Sweden my family is from, and we used to have it every year for Christmas. Well, what's in it? Uh, it's very simple. It is potatoes. Huh? Meat and pork that are ground, some spices and salt and pepper. And it's in animal casings. Okay. Like sausage okay. casings. But you, when you make it, you grind the meat and the potatoes and everything all together. Uh-huh. And then it's usually like a family thing. We never did it as a family. There was like three people in my family that did it. My great grandmother, my grandfather, and his brother. So I got to get the recipe. But we would have it every year for Christmas because that's the area of Sweden both of my great grandparents' family is from. And it's still made to this day in certain parts of the Midwest, like Minnesota and stuff. You can find it in grocery stores. Mm. Um, And we haven't had it since my grandpa passed away. And because from what I had heard from them, it was always like very uh, time consuming and labor intensive to make. Mm -hmm. So we haven't had it in such a long time, but it's so nostalgic and it's such a mild flavor. I don't know. It's so tasty. So I want to make it this year uh, for Christmas. And I'm also going to do Christmas baking with my mom. Cool. Yeah. So, and I'm going to be using, this was the whole point of this. When we went through my grandmother's house, we were looking at everything. And in the garage, there was like this porter cable box that I just thought was a tool. So I didn't even open it. And then my husband, it was like right before Linda was coming through to do her job. um, He opened the porter cable box and my mom and I were in the bedroom going through the stuff my grandfather had put in his dresser that we'd never seen. And inside the porter cable box was my great grandmother's meat grinder. Oh, with all of the cool. attachments needed to make potato sausage. That's awesome. Love wow. that. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> I have been doing some research on neurodivergent mm. leaning mm-hmm. techniques, uh, tips, uh, hacks. Mm. Yeah. I um am bad at keeping my house clean. I mean, I it's not bad right now, honestly, but that's because I. When I get the sads. If mm-hmm. you get behind, you can get really far behind. Right? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. But when I get the sads, I feel like it's the only thing I have control over. And so mm-hmm. I, I clean when I'm sad. Yeah. And uh. so my house is pretty clean right now. <laughs> but it's also decorated for Christmas. Yeah. For Merrick Chrysler. Yeah. And it looks very nice. And it makes me feel better. And yeah. that's good. But it is hard. Like, uh, for those of you that don't know, we've all recently been diagnosed in secession with ADHD. Uh-huh. All of us. Except for Gray, has not been officially diagnosed. He's 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 he, got it. But we like, attract each other. I did it in August of last year, and then Belchak and I were within just a couple weeks of each other. Yeah, yeah, very close within together. the last two three months. But it's been. I mean, it's it's fair to talk about it. That's kind of there's a lot of underlying reasons on the the behindness mm-hmm. of the podcast and. 
a lot of it was all of us kind of coming to terms with mental stuff mm-hmm. that like I always describe it as I have all these boxes that are in storage in my brain of traumas or different things I worked through in therapy younger years and had coping mechanisms and of like compartmentalized things that you learn in therapy, like how to deal with anxiety and how to deal with depression and how to deal with these things. And for the last year, I feel like I've had to like pull a box down, go through the contents and realize what was actually inside of the box was my ADHD and where the anxiety comes from and the depression comes Mm -hmm. from and the certain coping mechanisms and things that I did before I knew how my brain was working, before I was aware of the way my brain was wired to work. Yeah. Like I saw this analogy on TikTok that was like everybody in the world has an iPhone, Apple operating system, Mm -hmm. and you're operating with an Android operating system trying to fit in the apple apps and then when you realize like oh shit i'm not an apple phone i'm an android then you realize where your app store is and the things that work well for you and all of that and it's been like a year of deconstructing who i thought i was as a person yeah and who i wasn't allowed to be so it's been i i like describe it when i'm talking with with you guys about it or with like my close family it's been like a like a period of grief almost of like a lot of aspects of yourself that you think you've come to terms with in like your mid to late 20s and then to kind of have that all flipped upside down on its head and then there's kind of this phenomenon that happens once you realize like what your brain is actually doing a lot of the coping mechanisms you use to move through like a neurotypical world don't align as readily as they did before. Like I, you know, left the salon this year after working there for 14 years and realizing after leaving how much I was like masking who I am as a person while I was at work. Yeah. Was like, oh. Yeah. Ooh. Yikes. Well, and I haven't worked like a real job in quotes, a job where I had to be in public for a decade or more. Mm hmm. But I remember coming home from my job at the coffee shop or at the bookstore or whatever, Mm -hmm. being so unbelievably exhausted, more than the physical Mm -hmm. exhaustion. It was the mental exhaustion of having to appear normal, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And yeah, like once I was not doing that anymore... Like, I just kind of settled into who I was as a person rather than who I was pretending to be for so many years. Yeah. And that's like the pandemic, you know, when I had to take that time off work, I kind of started that mm-hmm. progression of being home and being with you guys, you know, like in how I always fucking am like now. Um, it was just like, oh, there's think, like two people. I think the uh, I think the pandemic forced a lot of people into a self-reflection that mm-hmm. is kind of did they have no precedent for mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so so when when people keep talking about like discovering different aspects of their personality mm-hmm. that they didn't realize um i i have like spoken with people who can't really grasp onto that mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't have they themselves don't have a basis for that either yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's like understanding when people are kind of talking about that or discussing that that's it can be a struggle but <laughs> i can say that the same thing happened to me mm-hmm. right um I've worked in probably somewhere around 30 jobs I've yeah. had. Um, 
mostly like customer service or public facing or some to some extent and yeah like it's not until i'm <laughs> i just turned 36 and um uh i didn't realize just how much um in all of those jobs how how i how much i'd segmented myself mm. or like i'd uh, built uh <laughs> <laughs> built up this this kind of side personality mm-hmm. <laughs> for myself to deal with uh, people in general right? masking it's yeah. called masking yeah but in exactly. the in the in the moment of that because i did that too yeah. in your brain it kind of feels like oh this is just what professionalism is like yeah. this is just everybody does this yeah. when Dude, they go yeah. to work yeah. like yeah. everybody has this persona that they're mm-hmm. putting on from nine to five and then when you realize like huh? anyways yeah. yeah keep going great but yeah it was like Oh, this is you mean this isn't just like a very it's very strange. And mm-hmm. it's 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 interesting that we're all in our thirties and kind of like recognizing yeah. all of this yeah. this stuff about ourselves. And, yeah. And not I'd I have no there's no precedent that's been set in my life amongst my circles and the people that I've known or other people otherwise, you know, with with close family or things mm-hmm. like that growing up. I never had any kind of exposure to People that were, I mean, uh, that went to therapy or mm. had some kind of self-reflection that kind of helped inform better decision-making or a better understanding of their behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So that's... And I've I've had people talk down to me when I've sought those things out. Yeah. yeah. So there's, def- there's always been a stigma attached to it mm-hmm. for myself. Which is yeah. gross. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, for anybody... If you feel like there's something different or there might be something wrong, mm-hmm. don't let anyone else tell you otherwise if you yeah. feel a certain way. Like, yeah. And there wasn't a huge that. history of therapy in my family. It all happened because of trauma. Or like when my parents got divorced, the state always recommends that like kids go to counseling. And so I, my first introduction to therapy was like the school counselor when yeah. my parents got divorced. Yeah. And then there was a later stint in therapy for something that happened in my childhood and all of those things. And that was the thing is like, it was a weird, what do they call it? Like when somebody has been to a lot of therapy and they, they're they like rationalizing all the things in their life along with the steps in therapy. There's like a term for it. I don't know. <clears throat> but for a long time, I like would lean on those things I learned in therapy like you do mm-hmm. to like get through hard things. And I was just like, oh, I'm just an anxious person. I'm just a depressed person. And then because of TikTok, <laughs> realized like, oh, maybe there's like something to this yeah and like now in this friend group i get exist like and i always say to this aligns with the statement i was saying if you've listened to this podcast for any time you're getting almost the purest form of who i am as a person Mm -hmm. on the podcast yeah and in like the life i lived before the friends i had before it's almost difficult to exist as this person because it's not the version of me that they fell in love with yeah yeah so existing in that space of my personal life before this is like non-existent because that curated version of Samantha is like no longer there. Yeah. And I'm a people pleaser at heart. So it's like. Yeah. And I feel like the pandemic was kind of there was kind of a universal experience of self-discovery. Yeah. And so, you know, like, obviously, I've been through 
a huge transitional period in the past two years. Mm -hmm. And I think that like a lot of people have been because, you know, the, they were home from work for however long after the pandemic started Mm -hmm. and they like finally had time to focus on themselves Mm -hmm. for the first time in God knows how long. Oh, and you didn't have any of your coping coping mechanisms anymore. You couldn't go out. You couldn't even see your friends and family. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, Pandemic was fucking hard. Yeah, still, yeah. It's yeah, it's still hard. It's still going on. I just yeah, like those those first few lockdowns were that was mm-hmm. so hard. Mm-hmm. And speaking as a woman with children, like trying to keep two kids entertained while lo- like locked in a house mm-hmm. for ten fucking weeks. Yeah. And even after that, it was like, well, I guess it's spring now. We can go outside at least. But yeah. Yeah fucking miserable that's like you know like pandemic babies are no joke like my kid was he was barely two Mm -hmm. and so there's still things like he doesn't have a large experience with parks like public parks or public swimming pools yeah because we just didn't do those things my daughter who is five now um (coughs) will find a mask in the house and ask if we can start wearing them again Mm -hmm. because i think just because Mm -hmm. you know she saw everyone do it and then it was a huge task to try to get her to wear one for a mm-hmm. long time, and then mm-hmm. she finally did. And then once she got used to it, it's like, oh, okay, we, we're we okay without them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she will periodically ask, do we put these on now? Can yeah. I wear this now? Yeah. Yeah. I still, like, if I'm feeling ill and mm-hmm. I have to go out somewhere, I'll still wear a mask. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really positive aspect of yeah. the pandemic is, like, just... Like I would have been too too embarrassed to do that before, yeah. or not. It never even occurred no, to me, honestly. Absolutely, yeah. But well, I remember like going to like uh, urgent care or something and have like masks, you know, and you uh-huh. check in. And I remember even being like deathly ill, being afraid of ridicule for putting a mask yeah. on while I'm like waiting to be seen because I have the flu or something. Which I think is ridiculous. I think the fact that it made wearing a mask in public like socially acceptable uh-huh. <laughs> in most parts that's of the country i think i think that's a net positive mm-hmm. um because there's been so many times you're right like i've been to urgent cares where people were deathly sick and coughing their yeah. lungs out yeah with yeah. some disease or something mm-hmm. and not they weren't required to wear a mask mm-hmm. or anything yeah it made me thankful for as a child when we would go to the doctor my mom like barely let us play with the toys or anything because it was always sick people coming in to be seen. Mm-hmm. So she was like, don't read the magazines. Don't read the books. You just yeah. sit and wait to be seen. Yeah. And so like now don't it's like. Don't touch anything. No. Yeah. Just like sit in my chair. Yeah. Yeah. It's been. And that's why, you know, there's a p- episode like this of like realizing how our brains work collectively as a group and why we're all fucking friends. Because yeah. now it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because we all like have a safe place to unmask and exist, and same with like the podcast. Like I hope when people listen to the show, they feel encouraged to do like a brain dump or whatever else. Like find whatever. This whole fucking podcast was just like a hobby that I had to go yeah. all the way in on. Yeah. yeah. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's. I mean, it's opened up incredible things in my life, incredible friendships, and people that we get to speak to in my new career. Like I would have never left hairdressing had I not had something I could fall into and feel just as confident doing. Yeah. There's a whole lot of things that never would have happened had this podcast not started. Yeah. That's for sure. All of our lives have been changed. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. (laughs) But hey, speaking of uh, hobbies 
and yeah. uh, good things that have come from them. Yeah, I, you're right. I am starting <laughs> a new hobby or pursuing mm-hmm. a new hobby. So for the last 10 years or so, I stayed away from video games for the most part mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, uh, until about five years ago. So I grew up playing video games very <laughs> hardcore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a very, uh, uh, I would have defined myself as maybe like a hardcore gamer or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, thousands of hours into one video game and, uh, and then for, have done so for multiple video games. Like, th- more than a hobby it is definitely Mm -hmm. like a lifestyle right i'm very familiar with it all of my brothers do the same thing Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so um it's always been a huge aspect it's it's from early on living in rural arizona Mm -hmm. where there the the nearest store was you know a half hour bike ride away or something you know or like a two-hour walk yeah right (laughs) um in in the foothills and stuff so like uh you can only ride your bike around so much so we got a super nintendo when i was really young and since then uh i got an n64 after that i got a p i but got i got my i built my first pc when i was 15 oh hell yeah and since then like i've never kind of not had that except for my mid and late twenties, mm-hmm. when I was when I kind of swore off video games for several years because I was just pursuing other life goals. Yeah, mm-hmm. and once that all kind of settled, I suppose, and I came back down and had had a few rough patches. Mm-hmm. Um, I got back into video games, and until that time, until I got back back into video games around 2017, late 2017. Um, uh. I always, I had definitely looked down on like streaming. Yeah. I was like, why on earth, having grown up playing video games all the time, mm-hmm. why on earth would I ever want to watch someone else play a video game? Like other than like a little bit for like a few minutes, like my my friend or my, you know. Yeah. Uh, my, like why do I want to watch somebody do this when I could just do it myself? Yeah, let, let me do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm the one. I could figure it out. <laughs> um, but when I started playing video games again, um, about five years ago, um, I started watching streamers, and then I kind of understood, like, oh, I started playing games again because mm-hmm. streaming be- became very big. Streaming vi- video games and and content, streaming yes. content in general, became very big over the course of period where I wasn't playing video games. So right. it's like I wasn't there for the entire kind of gestation of the the. Boom! That yeah. is, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. But the startup, yeah, it's nuts. Um, and for those who don't know, there are people who are making now the, the top one percent are making incredibly good, yeah, like millions of dollars, life, life, <laughs> uh, living off of streaming. Now that's very tiny amount, and there mm-hmm. are way more streamers than could ever be supported. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like podcasts. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just like podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, there's a lot of, I mean, people, I discovered that I, I found like the value in stream streamers and, and streaming and seeing what what that, that can be as kind of a, either a, a career or a, more than a hobby, you mm-hmm. know? And there's the, there's the joke, of course, of, you know, when we were kids, it was like, the, you're never going to be paid to play a video game. Right. Yeah, the 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 essence of the idea of like, why would you ever do anything if it's not going to make you any money? Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Which is why millennials try to monetize every fucking hobby they have. <laughs> Which thanks to things like Etsy and Twitch. And, uh-huh. and, oh, yeah. 
you know, the it's worldwide Patreon. And, uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, there. There's a million only ways. Fans. To, yeah, OnlyFans. <laughs> hey, that's legit. It yes. is. No, of no, I'm, I, yeah. yes, no, I'm like, yes, that's part of it. That's yeah. part of the absolutely. Sex yeah. work is work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, agreed. Yes, and um, it's it's very cool to see where I guess um, it's weird to see how 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 far society has come over the last twenty years. Oh, well, that's for sure. Very, it's very nuts. Anyways. I guess it could kind of circle it all back around. So I've 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 had a lot lifelong love with uh, video games and gaming, mm-hmm. and so I've built a lo- I've built up and kind of strengthened a lot of relationships thanks to video games. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is still a major important in my life, even in my thirties. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm starting a stream. I I always it was something I always told myself since I started watching streaming in like 2017. If I had the right circumstances and I could plan it out and build it the way I wanted to do it and mm-hmm. make sure that I kind of, it was, it was one of those things is like, if you, everyone kind of tells themselves maybe one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was one day when there was a voice outside my head that said, Hey, you have, um, you've talked about this and we're, we're just kind of talking and discussing about, life goals and yeah. what we wanted to kind Dreams of do and things and and that voice so told me uh this is what you're doing mm-hmm. you're doing this yeah it's like now is the time that we get to do the things that make us happy yeah 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 and uh yeah so i'm i'm uh we're in the process of building out a set mm-hmm. and um creating graphics packages and i've got a, quite a bit of a production and my first test is going to be tomorrow <gasps> cool. it's going to be a private stream that i'm only going to share with a few friends um but yeah it's i'm going to do a whole eight hours and do all kinds of <laughs> probably finagling and troubleshooting yeah on stream but i'm going to try to it's going to be kind of the initial uh the soft launch yeah soft launch of uh what I hope to turn into a career. It I'm was so me. Excited. I was the voice. Yes. Yes. By the way, I love that. So quiet, shout in the dark. Yes. Congratulations, Gray. Yeah. I think that that's. I'm amazing. very excited for you. Well, I haven't taken anything this seriously in quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Not that I haven't taken things seriously, but I don't know. There, there's usually the last big decision I made was to join the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. and in that decision spawned a decade's worth of life events yeah and um and i made i i made a lot of progress and with always just with that goal in mind and that was the kind of the last thing that i was this uh considerate for and or like i thought was worth pursuing Mm full-time mm-hmm I've loved watching it unfold and the excitement you've had and like getting bits and pieces of the planning behind mm-hmm. it and w- what you want it to look like and the design portion and all of that. Like I'm so fucking stoked for you yeah. to do that. That's another thing. But, but, so this has actually brought up a lot of things I learned before I decided to, to kind of join the Marine Corps and kind of because when I just when I make a decision like this, mm-hmm. I go all in. I kind of put everything that I don't need, like hobbies and things mm-hmm. to the side. Like I haven't been working on music at all. Mm-hmm. I haven't been um, 
trying to work on painting or drawing or anything as, a, as, as I've done, um, I'm pretty much 100% focused on just this. Mm-hmm. And it's consuming my entire... Uh, this is why we think you also have ADHD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's consuming my life, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I stay up at night because I'm thinking about it. I love that. There's Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but Make bring- it the way you want. Yeah. Um, it's I'm br- just really glad. It's bringing up a lot of old hobbies I had before, though, mm-hmm. at the same time. So in the mid-2000s, um, I was kind of just a, a wannabe filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Never really went anywhere at all. Um, wasn't very, I guess, aspirational about it, so I didn't really choose to pursue it mm-hmm. at the time. But in that, I learned a lot of different things, video editing, uh, graphics design and things like motion graphics as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm building all of the assets and everything for the stream. There's tons of different places you can go to buy those things. Right. But I'm building all of this kind of from the ground up. Well, and, and with so, that, so it's very... it's like buying them, you're under like licensing restrictions, mm-hmm. copyright restrictions and all that, which is why like it was important, like with the show, it was important yeah. that everything be built from the ground up as much as we could yeah. with the podcast because at the end of the day, I wanted to own mm-hmm. the rights to all of those things, mm-hmm. which is an important thing to do if you're building any kind of brand is even with Canva, like there's certain mm-hmm. aspects of Canva yeah. that are fall under their licensing rules and yeah. regulations and profit and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That maybe, you know, but yeah. Content creation can be as simple or as complex as you want it. And if you're like us, it's complicated. Yeah, exactly. Kind of want a hand in everything. Yeah. And that's not that's not necessary, right? Uh-huh. Uh, for everybody. And I would just say, say most people, like mm-hmm. you don't need to know how to do everything. Mm-mm. The cool thing about it is that you can just start doing it. Yeah. Um, in order to make music, what you you start singing you don't need an instrument mm-hmm. you can only use your hands you have to learn how to read music you could just make music <laughs> exactly or go out and pick up a ukulele or a guitar or mm-hmm. uh you know a ch- little cheap piano if for movies yeah you, or to get into photography you have that thing in your pocket right your at phone. all times you can do everything on your phone mm-hmm. um yeah it's uh the only thing kind of stopping you is is your your want your ne- or need to mm-hmm. do a thing. Well, yeah. I think there was something you said while you were talking and you were talking about like um you were likening it to this is something that I enjoyed doing but I didn't like have the spoons to pursue it or I didn't want to pursue it or there wasn't an actual reason and I think like part of that comes from that inner dialogue of when you're growing up like when we were being raised it was like the objective of like go to college, mm-hmm. get a real job mm-hmm. and do these things. And yeah. like your hobbies will just filter out of your life as an adult. Yeah, yeah you'll grow out of wanting to do extracurriculars. <laughs> yeah, right. that other people see as like uh, mm-hmm. unscrupulous ventures for you to take. And that was, you know, with the pandemic, like to bring it back to that, like realization of like, I had created a career out of what I thought other people would look at me and be like, that's successful. Yeah. And like the first question most people ask me now after leaving hairdressing was is are you making enough money like it's the first thing people are concerned about generally older people yeah and in my head i'm like i don't give a fuck how much money i'm making for the first time in my life i'm genuinely fulfilled and happy yeah with what i'm doing seeing seeing you go through this over the last two years and even the last couple of months because of the estate sale and everything Mm -hmm. it's really been a big inspiration for me as well um 
there are, there are many different things that like affected my kind of decision and thought to get into what I'm going to be doing, but you've been a major kind of, um, uh, uh, bright light, um, kind of gu- guiding my thought process. Like she's a lighthouse. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. So. I'm glad I could have a, teensy portion of that oh, thank you. you no it's and it's it's substantial it's not teensy <laughs> yeah yeah well, same thanks same. It, it's kind of significant it's, samantha yeah. yeah you're all around significant in all of our lives and what we're doing Absolutely. right now as people thanks guys let me just see if i can get this pick up on the mic she's <laughs> tightening her hood uh, sensory <laughs> hood the, the sensory, sensory hood. hood thank you i um i really appreciate that because it was you know it was a very scary a couple of months, like knowing I was going to leave that career and starting this new one and doing that same thing of that you did, like threw literally everything to the side and mm-hmm. put all of my fucking brain power into mm-hmm. the estate sale company, just like I did with the podcast. I followed the same <laughs> and money. Oh, and money. I never thought I'd own so many fucking tables. <laughs> but I did the same thing of like, I know what I want this to be. I know what I want it to look like. And there were some details that seemed just insane to even think about. Yeah. And, you know, it's worked. And this is like my first ever slow December where I'm just enjoying time with my family and in the house and that kind of stuff. It's been, I'm so happy that you're finding your mothball-ness. Mothball-ness. Yeah. The, yes. Like instead of machismo, it's the... The moth bees bow. Moth bees bow. <laughs> but I, I wish that for l- so many people. Like, yeah. I feel like too sometimes with this, the podcast, right? That people don't think we get nervous or scared or unsure or like all of those things. Like, I take nine times out of 10 before we record, I take an anxiety pill mm. before we record with a guest because mm. I get so in my own brain about. The whole aspect of recording. Um, and I like naturally as a person, I always thought I was extroverted when I'm really more of an introvert. Mm-hmm. And like, don't think for a second because the show sounds so polished and all of those things that we're not fumbling shit behind the scenes constantly. That's why we need um, uh, editors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Somebody that puts the show together beautifully week after well, week. Well, also friends to kind of help us or end in, mm-hmm. in therapy. Yeah, yeah, fucking therapy. Help, help us get our our minds together in mm-hmm, order to mm-hmm. be able to do the thing um, that we want to do. Yeah, because even that uh, is a task sometimes. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I uh, as far as doing things we want to do, I've wanted to start photography for years and years and years and couldn't mm-hmm. until now, and the opportunity to start came up, mm-hmm. and so I bought myself a fucking camera and i'm doing the thing and taking fucking pictures and shit i love that proud of you i feel like the older i get the more i learn of like if there is an indulgent hobby that i want to do that some old mom voice in the back of my head says it's not justifiable then that is more meaning as to why i should do it if it's safe and absolutely all of that you know like i always think about the hobbies we lose as in childhood like the playfulness of life Mm-hmm. That starts to go away with responsibilities. And like yeah. I'm finding myself now in this year of my life being like, I want more time to play and be selfish with the things that bring me joy, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. That's kind of, I can kind of speak directly about that mm-hmm. if I can. So what <laughs> um, 
when I was a kid, I, I, I don't feel like I did much playing. Like I, mm. I did like get deep into video games early, but um, there I didn't have much opportunity um, to do what I considered to be like traditional kid things, or mm-hmm. I didn't have the personality for it at the time, maybe. So that's actually what I ended up doing when I went to to, to pursue other things in life, uh, say a decade ago. I I ended up um, becoming kind of obsessed with uh, obstacle course races mm-hmm. and five Ks and fun runs and things like that because <laughs> basically you just get to go run and be a kid. Yeah. On a you know on a predetermined course for a certain amount of time on a certain day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it had this just enough organization to be like, uh, okay, it, it, it's a healthy thing that I'm doing and this is going to be, I'm going, I'm being productive by doing this. Mm-hmm. So like you can convince yourself about it, but also at the same time, you're just going out and climbing stuff. Running you're just being a, you're just being a grown up kid. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. Running, crawling through mud. Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 Jumping off of high obstacles into, into huge pools of water or, yeah crawling underneath barbed wire for whatever reason you know <laughs> i've seen some of these videos yeah. Uh, yeah. of gray running through these and he just is like a happy toddler like a child <laughs> yes so absolutely adorable. yeah so happy cannot even when he's like drinking the mud like can't <laughs> close his mouth because he's smiling so hard yeah, yeah. there were a couple times yeah Certain people, like, I, I, I tried to experience it all, and I hope to get back to it soon. Mm-hmm. I've done over 30 at this point. Wow. Um, but And I have all the bibs and all the medals and everything from each of them. Um, but you never look at them as a race. If anybody was ever interested in looking into, like, Spartan Race, Warrior Dash, or um, Tough Mudder, things yeah. like that. Tough Mudder is by far my favorite. I'll yeah. say to that. Is that the one with a, the most mud? Was a, <laughs> no. <laughs> there was one, I think, called Arizona Mud Run. Oh. That what that I don't know how they got the mud that they did, but who boy it's trucking in that mud? Oh yeah, um, shipments of as mud. Well as, yeah, puddles but they, of mud. Tough butter does ha- does have a lot of good mud though. I've and, always seen them, but I've always been terrified. Uh, it's nothing. It's it's so fun. You just go in, you get dirty, you have fun, and then go home. Because the one of the best things as well. I, I this is turning into a tangent. And I'm sorry, That's okay. but you edit this I, podcast. I, yeah, it's true. That's true. <laughs> um, one of the best things about obstacle course races is that it's literally just the most positive environment. Oh, I love that. There's no negativity out there. There's no people like, with any obstacle, it's not just about these people like getting over and beating the person behind them. Mm, they have right. competitive heat waves or, or, or competitive waves at the start, mm. at, the be- at the beginning of all of these events, mm-hmm. but they have like different time slots and they have tons going on throughout the day. So they're, they're different waves that oh. are going. Yeah. So all the com- competitive ones happen first. And they're yeah, usually, there's system. only usually like two or three. And then after that, it's just thousands of people just going to like go get dirty and climb shit. Oh, that's cool. I've done a couple. I did a 10K and I've done a couple 5Ks. And that's like the culture mm-hmm. surrounding it is so positive mm-hmm. and so supportive and everybody's so enthusiastic. And that's, I really, I'm not a runner. I'm not yeah. super athletic, but I really loved that aspect of it. It was really cool. It's, 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 it's so fun, but everybody's there to have fun. Nobody's there to be like, to be miserable or anything. Like there's, there's no preconceived notions about like, 
like be people being too competitive. Well, I mean, you can have that misunderstanding, mm-hmm. like if you haven't done one. But once you get there and you see it, you'll understand. Like one of the coolest things, as I have shown so many people, because I wore a GoPro for almost every single one of yeah. them. Um, you'll see at every single obstacle, every single one of these, there's always people. It it like helping. if somebody's having a hard time mm-hmm. or somebody asks for help, even if they don't, like other people are helping. Everybody's mm-hmm. helping each other. At all times. Yeah. yeah. It's that's it, how it was in roller derby also. Like mm. it was such a like the vibe and the community. Yeah. And there would be like we would had to when I was skating, there was like a certain amount of laps you had to do under five minutes to pass your regs. And there was when we were training for laps, if you were struggling, there would like a pack of women would form around you to keep you upright, to yeah. keep you skating to finish your laps, even if they were outside of regs, like, or the time clock, like to just surround you and do that sort of thing. Like it was like the same thing. It was the most beautiful experience to be a part and seeing a skater at every level of like, what is the fucking word I'm looking for? Skill. Skill level. Coming and putting their skates on and putting their pads on and everybody showing the same amount of appreciation once you got on the track. That's awesome. It was so I rad. love that so much. It yeah. was so rad. I and like the harder you hit somebody, like they'd be fucking stoked. And like if somebody who was never a hitter would like knock somebody mm-hmm. down, as like everybody would fucking scream and yell like "fuck yeah" and like call <laughs> your derby name. And it was fantastic. It was a beautiful experience. I've I have felt like that in every mosh pit I've ever been in. Oh uh, yeah. fuck yeah! Because yeah. I'm I'm very short. I'm a small person, and the majority of the time I spent in mosh pits, I was a teenager, so mm-hmm. I was even smaller. But every single time I got knocked over or fell over, mm-hmm. I was immediately picked up by somebody and mm-hmm. pushed forward so that I wouldn't get trampled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was never a time where I genuinely got hurt because there was always somebody to help pull you up. Yeah, yeah. the mama and papas of the pit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yep. so few exceptions yeah. to that, and they do they do happen, especially years ago. Like they they and they don't really happen anymore. But there are definitely still some kind of toxic. Environments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for whatever is the right combination of people at the right time. Mm-hmm. I would rather be in the middle of the mosh pit than uh, in most situations because I feel safer, more mm-hmm. respected, and more protected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's also there's like this unspoken rule at hardcore shows or metal shows or whatever mm-hmm. else that like if you see somebody like struggling or mm-hmm. not having a great time, like you will find a collection of people that are like coming to that person's aid, a complete fucking stranger. Yep. If, yeah. if somebody falls down, you pick them up. Yeah, yeah, I'll never forget. I went to a show in Pocatello at the Rocking Horse mm-hmm. and it was As I Lay Dying, Protest the Hero, another metal band, like all playing in this tiny fucking bar mm-hmm. that's like 20 feet across wall to wall. And there was somebody had shown up with their kids mm. like this is an evening show yeah their their child was like seven years old oh, God. and there's once one of the bands came on that was more well known and the pit opened up like wall to wall i look down and see this tiny child just sobbing no idea where their parents are yeah but this wall of metal heads put this kid like right in the middle of mm-hmm. all of them i'm standing on the skirt of it to like brace against the pit just to keep this kid protected until somebody could find their mom yeah. or dad. because And then they finally pulled him off to like one of the wings on the side of the stage and like found his parents and metalheads are not nice when they find out that you're fucking around. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Metalheads don't put up with assholes. That's no. for sure. The, they, the best parenting will come from somebody <laughs> that you're going to find at a show like that. Exactly. Hands down. 
Exactly. It was a fantastic show. Um, but yeah, I feel like, and especially like with this winter, finding stuff that, you know, like I recently, Melissa and I both just downloaded Good Notes, which is an iPad oh, yeah. specific mm-hmm. app, I think. And we each got a an ADHD digital planner. That's been another fun like a little avenue little to sit and yeah. diddle and do that. Mm-hmm. Was that planner specific to Apple products? Uh, no, it could be used in other apps. They were listed in the Etsy listing. Yeah, it, it was a tablet specific planner. Though. Yeah, but it, I think the other apps that they had listed were also available on like Android specific platforms. It's fantastic. It's got so many different avenues. Like it's got this little section that's like when you're on an important phone call and you need to be paying attention, there's like these coloring pages that you you can can... tap to Mm -hmm. so you can keep focused, Mm -hmm. like do something to distract yourself that's not detrimental to the conversation. And you can take notes right on the the Mm -hmm. coloring page as you're going if you need to. Mm -hmm. That was one of the reasons I loved having a Samsung Note Mm -hmm. back in the day with a phone with a stylus. It's a bomb. It was... it, imp- it actually improved my quality of life with a smartphone. Mm-hmm. I hate having a smartphone. That is the <laughs> only one I have not d- absolutely despised because of my inability to control myself with. <laughs> yeah. So it's been nice. I've been using that the last couple of days to just kind of plan out my day and keep it kind of loosey-goosey, like not super structured, but it's nice to have like the little time blocks or like habit trackers, but in a way that works with my noodle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what's been lovely. And today... After we're finished here, I'm going to decorate for Christmas. I started a little bit this morning, but we'll drag everything out and get it ready to go upstairs. But uh, we hope you enjoyed this little laid back body double brain dump. Damn, that was that was like a rhyme. That was you're welcome. That was you're spitting bars out here. Doing my best. <laughs> Doing my white best. A best. <laughs> We hope you take time wherever you are in your life to explore some hobbies you don't feel like you should do. Um, Things from your childhood that you gave up or early adolescence or college career. If you like to draw, if you like to write, if you like to go on walks, uh, find something that you enjoy that you haven't visited in a long time and give it give it another go. Find some serotonin and dopamine in the hobbies that Mm -hmm. don't make you any money. Yes. Okay. (laughs) And as always, I hope you find some good shit, and I hope you remember to give yourself a little hug and a little pat on the back. You're doing a good job, and yeah. don't forget to look under the tables. Mm-hmm. If somebody falls, pick them up. Yeah. Go go read about vultures, because they're so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and remember that we love you, and we're proud of you, and you're doing a great job at the time in your life that you're at, and that's all you need to do. Now is the time that we do the things that we want to do. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.